Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today as ransomware attacks become more widespread, why schools have a unique challenge when it comes to cybersecurity, and why you should care. Also this morning, after being grounded due to the pandemic, Flag City Honor Flight has some catching up to do, but they can't do it without your help. We'll explain. And we have everything you need to know about the 2021 reboot of the Hancock County Fair. We'll get a preview of next week's event from President Jeff Cole. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, August 24th, 2021. So the big news yesterday, of course, the uh, full approval of the uh, Pfizer vaccine, the FDA uh, granted full approval to the Pfizer vaccine. It is no longer just for emergency use authorization, fully approved, gets the big old thumbs up. Does that make a difference to you if you have not been vaccinated yet? And if your excuse was that you were not going to take a quote-unquote experimental vaccine, although emergency use authorization is not a different terminology for experimental. There is a difference between the two. But nonetheless, if that was your hesitancy, now that the vaccine has been fully approved by the FDA, does that change your mind? Does that move the needle for you at all? i uh, tell you what, I saw this story in the uh, Newswire. The state of Mississippi is getting serious with those who have not yet been vaccinated. The Department of Health in that state says any person infected with COVID-19 must isolate for at least 10 days. And if not, they could face up to five years in prison. The alert issued last week orders that any person who refuses to isolate for at least 10 days can face a fine of $5,000 and up to a five-year prison sentence. State health officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs, and again, this is not Ohio, this is Mississippi. This is uh, where this is. Uh, Dr. Thomas Dobbs, a health officer for the state of Mississippi, says the punishment is related to the life-threatening nature of of the Delta variant. Mississippi has seen a seven-day average of new cases nearly doubling the peak of their second wave back in January alongside one of the lowest vaccination rates in the country. So a combination of low vaccination rates and high viral spread, and they're not messing around in Mississippi. My goodness. That is uh, quite the uh, story. Um, You know, face masks are still required on airplanes in this country and in most places around the world as well. And not just any old mask. I know the mask mandate for travelers on airplanes in this country has caused an awful lot of controversy and consternation amongst travelers. Think about this. It could be worse. Not every airline allows every kind of mask. Last week, Finnair, Finland's national carrier, became the latest to ban the common fabric face masks on board. The face masks that pretty much all of us have. No longer will those be allowed. It's only surgical masks 
and valve free respirator masks and N95 masks. So we're talking the heavy duty stuff here. The airline writes in a statement, the safety of our customers and employees is our first priority. Fabric masks are slightly less effective at protecting people from infection than surgical masks. Uh, And so that's their standard. Now, not only Finn Air, Air France and Lufthansa also have mandated medical masks be worn, prohibiting fabric masks and those with exhaust valves. Other airlines internationally have also banned those fabric and reusable face masks. Uh, domestic flights within Chile, uh, only surgical masks with three layers, KN95 and N95 masks would be accepted. Uh, that carrier also requiring doubling up on face masks for passengers connecting in Lima, Peru, even if they remain on board the aircraft. So you think the restrictions in this country uh, are over the top. Check that out on Wednesday of last week, the Transportation Security Administration extended the federal mask mandate in the U.S. until January of 2022, which I know a lot of people are not going to be happy with, but it could be a whole lot worse. Could be a whole lot more restrictive than what we have seen in this country. Um, first day of school for city school students, as we mentioned uh, kids are heading back to class. Most of the county schools will go back after Labor Day, after the fair is done. But for city schools, back in class today. And, of course, there is a lot of conversation as to whether kids should be masking up, whether there should be vaccination requirements, uh, all of that. This was kind of interesting on the uh, Newswire. See what you think about this would be definitely one of the most buzzworthy stories of the day. Amid a growing conflict over mask mandates and school curriculum during the summer, there is a big debate over uh, what students are being taught in school. Some parents are now calling for cameras in the classroom. And I have to admit, this may not be such a bad idea. We've got body cams For police officers, we've got security cameras in just about every store you walk into. Uh, You're on uh, security cameras. We've got uh, cameras just about everywhere else. Why not in the classroom? Supporters say uh, cameras could improve student safety, reinforce accountability, and let parents see and hear what their children are learning, while also potentially reducing cheating and other bad behavior. As according to a report in the Washington Examiner, critics, on the other hand, say cameras watching classrooms would undermine teachers, are an invasion of privacy, and could be hacked by people with bad intentions. So there is always that. Teachers' unions contend that cameras in the classroom would lead to nuisance lawsuits. There are actually a small number of states that have passed laws that either allow or require cameras in specific classrooms, Texas, West Virginia, and Georgia, just a few. Louisiana also just approved video cameras in classrooms, allowing any parent of a special needs child who wants a camera in the classroom to have one. So kind of interesting, and that may be the next big debate in education, cameras 
in the classroom? Should it should it be universal? Should it be based on certain criteria? Should it not be done at all? I have to think that maybe this is the way of the future. Kind of interesting. A couple of other uh, items here among the first things that you need to know this morning. Pumpkin spice latte fans rejoice. The signature Starbucks fall item returns to menus today, right? The story says Tuesday, and today is Tuesday. So unless they're talking about next Tuesday, I believe it is today. The company is releasing the favorite along with the pumpkin cream cold brew as part of the return of pumpkin spice at Starbucks. The chain will also offer bakery items like pumpkin cream cheese muffins, and pumpkin scones this fall season. So, <laughs> in the 90-degree heat, if you want to think about fall, <laughs> pumpkin spice everything is upon us. Do not, don't say you weren't warned. And lastly, this morning, among the first things that you need to know, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, I am old enough to remember... The Al Capone vault fiasco with, uh, oh, now I can't remember his name. Geraldo Rivera. Yeah. Uh, who opened, do you remember the TV special? If you're old enough to remember the TV special, and they're going to open Al Capone's vaults and see what was inside, and it turned out to be a whole lot of nothing. Well, now you can own your own personal cache of Al Capone stuff. The personal possessions of one of America's most notorious gangsters be auctioned off in Sacramento. Al Capone's three living granddaughters, who are now all in their 70s, by the way, have decided to sell the family estate because they say they're getting older. They're not going to be around forever, and they just want to get rid of it. Granddaughter Diane Capone says she does not want the family heirlooms to be left to people who don't know the stories behind them. And so they're going to auction them off to just about anyone, I guess. Uh, items up for auction have been in the family for almost 90 years, including Al Capone's favorite gun, fa- family photos, a home movie of Capone and his <clears throat> associates. Plus, this is kind of interesting, a letter that he wrote to his son, Sonny Capone, while he was in Alcatraz, while Al Capone was in Alcatraz, while his uh, father was in jail. So, if you have ever had an interest in owning a little piece of mafia history, this is your chance. It doesn't say here, doesn't say here when the auction will take place. I apologize, I don't have, and but I would imagine you can Google it if you are interested and find out. So, there you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm John Marshall. The WTOL 11 First Alert weather, mostly sunny today, a high near 94, humid and calm. A Cary man has been indicted by a Wood County grand jury. The Sentinel Tribune reports that Alan Hoker II has been indicted for two second-degree felony counts of felonious assault, first-degree felony kidnapping, disrupting public service, a fourth-degree felony, and domestic violence, a first-degree misdemeanor. The charges stem from events of late July of this year. An arrest warrant has been issued. Finley Mayor Christina Mern is encouraging community members to be more active. The next Move with the Mayor event will be held today and includes 
crew to walk on the new recreation path along County Road 236. The walk will begin at the CVS Pharmacy at the corner of 236 and Tiffin Avenue at 11.30 this morning. The event is being held in partnership with the National Forum for Heart Disease and Stroke Prevention. The Ohio Department of Health is urging any Ohioan who isn't vaccinated against the coronavirus to do so now, following the full FDA approval of the Pfizer vaccine. More from ONN's Tracy Townsend. Dr. Bruce Vanderhoff talked about how this information is backed by decades of research on those mRNA vaccines. For any Ohioan who has been waiting to receive the vaccine until full approval is granted, today is the day. Pfizer vaccines are readily available at providers across the state, and COVID-19 vaccines are our best protection against the virus. Just in the last month, COVID hospitalizations went up by 5% across the state. I'm Tracy Townsend. As COVID-19 cases surge around the country, the majority of Americans say that they support mask mandates for students and teachers in K-12 schools, according to a new poll. But their views are sharply divided along political lines. About 6 in 10 Americans say students and teachers should be required to wear face masks while in school, according to a poll from the Associated Press NORC Center for Public Affairs Research. A similar percentage say teachers and eligible students should also be required to receive a COVID-19 vaccine. Some Republican governors have banned mask mandates. About 3 in 10 Republicans say that they favor mask requirements for students and teachers, compared with about 8 in 10 Democrats. I'm John Marshall, WFIN News. Well, cyber attacks, data theft, ransomware has become a problem for everyone. In fact, nearly 1,700 ransomware incidents last year involved K-12 schools. And obviously, with back-to-school season in full swing, we are joined by Nick Rossman, Global Threat Intelligence Lead for IBM Security X-Force. And Nick, why are schools a target for cyber criminals? I mean, you know, I understand uh, businesses and, you know, corporate uh, entities and, and even, you know, government targets. What do uh, the hackers get out of targeting schools? Yeah, there's a couple of key factors there, and it comes down to you know lack of training, tight budgets, but also valuable data. You know, on the training side, uh, we talked to school administrators, and, and uh, about half of them told us that they operate in school districts without any kind of cybersecurity training for staff and, and for students. Uh, schools also face very tight budgets. You know, the, half of all administrators also said that they have less than a hundred thousand dollars in cybersecurity spending. When you think about that, that's um, not a lot to go around for a school district that might be protecting several schools, dozens of schools overall. And these schools have valuable data too. Think about, you know, our students have personal information, health information, financial data, and and not just on students, faculty, the community as well. And so that all these factors make these a right target for cyber criminals. Yeah, kind of a path of least resistance, uh, because uh, as you mentioned, many school districts already operating on tight budgets, and many simply don't have uh, the resources to implement a comprehensive security suite, and instead uh, operate on the principle of strategic priority prioritization, if that. Now, I understand you at IBM have actually been looking at this reality to sort of come up with ways to help school districts in this effort to protect all of that data and combat cyber criminals. Absolutely. You know, one of the things, you know, a couple of key things, if you're hearing this and, and um, 
you know, thinking about for your school district. You know, one, what kind of training are you able to provide and the schools providing on cybersecurity? That can be critical to help students understand why you need a 16-character long password to log into the system and why you're demanding that it's different from all the other passwords that they have. It's also critical that schools plan in the event of attack how they're going to handle it. That's having an incident response firm ready to go on call. That plan is critical to slowing down an incident whenever it occurs. And it's also important to have a cyber crisis communications plan. So what we see time and again with uh, companies and school districts, you've got to be able to communicate to the public about what you're experiencing, how you're going to get back online, how you're going to get students back to school. Uh, so just like schools have a plan for inclement weather, they should have one for a cyber crisis. You have a couple of other um areas where schools should uh, prioritize. Again, we talk about the uh, principle of strategic prioritization. If you can't do everything, you got to put some things at the top of the list, and you have uh, a handful of other things that should be uh, among the highest priority items when it comes to cybersecurity and how schools can better prepare for ransomware attacks. Absolutely. You know, it's training for staff and students, you know, provide clear guidelines for device usage, uh, passwords, secure your Wi-Fi connections and in your video conferencing tools that you're going to use. It's also important to embrace the cloud. Those technologies that schools aren't use to keep students uh, going during the school year, they can be great in making them more resilient against an attack because they're able to get back online much faster in the cloud. And we also advise schools to test and patch their critical systems. You know, it's important to reduce the footprint where the bad guys can get in. Mm -hmm. And those patches are that way to keep reducing the vulnerabilities, all the ways that an attacker can get into their network. When you talk specifically about that testing and patching uh, systems, I mean, that right there is a full-time job for some IT departments in uh, large companies. And as you were saying, you know, a school district, you may be talking about a footprint that uh, you've got several, uh, several buildings in several different locations and so on. And again, given the economic realities, how does that work and, and how do schools best implement that on a skeleton staff? Yeah, you really zeroed right into it. You know, we've talked to many school districts where it's the IT staff and the staff member, just one individual who's doing all of this work. Right. And uh, we saw and talked to one school district where, you know, laptops were piling up in the hallways. They uh, had... Um, you know, students drop them off at the end of the school year, uh, and they were still sitting there uh, waiting hmm. for kids when they return back to school. Well, what that means is that those the software on those laptops isn't patched and ready to go. So it's vital to have a component, you know, individuals that are able to react to this year round. These patches come year round all the time for critical software mm -hmm. and the cyber criminals aren't stopping in the summer as well. That is a, another good point that uh, all of this in so many cases, uh, schools kind of shut down for the summer, but the cyber criminals don't. Now, when we throw that number out there, 1,700 ransomware incidents involving schools last year, I would theorize that some of that was influenced by the fact that there was so much online remote learning going on. Uh, with most schools now back to in-person classes, has that mitigated the vulnerability at all, or has it in some ways made it even worse? You know, I think the environment we're facing, not just in schools, but in private companies, is that the pandemic has made it security more difficult, right? We've got all new passwords that we've added, and that means that those passwords might get leaked more often. 
continuously we see uh, when we've surveyed uh, folks is that 80% of the time they're reusing their password. So you think about a school district, a student might be reusing a password that they had on an account uh, elsewhere, but if that gets breached, uh, then suddenly, you know, a cyber criminal might have an easy way into a school district if they can go backwards to figure out where that student uh, is based to get into a network. So all of this has helped proliferate how much harder security is post the pandemic. You know, and in our other studies, we saw a rise in the cost of a data breach to a 17-year high uh, for companies to be able to react to breaches. And obviously, again, as we talk about schools that are strapped financially, already the last thing that they would need to do would be to be the victim of a, a ransomware attack, um, you know, for obvious reasons or try to recover from any type of uh, cyber attack. It becomes much more expensive to recover than to prevent one in the first place. So, uh, again, talking about how all of this applies to schools, I think it uh, will come as a shock to some people that uh, school districts are actually uh, such a uh, prolific target uh, of these uh, cyber criminals. Again, Nick Rossman is Global Threat Intelligence Lead for IBM Security X-Force. Where do we get more information? Well, you can learn more about our IBM Security Education Preparedness Grant. We awarded $3 million to six U.S. Uh, K-12 school districts uh, in June uh, to help schools get online. And we've got great resources for anyone at ibm.biz slash security dash grant. It's ibm.biz slash security dash grant. You can learn more about some of the cybersecurity basics you need for the new school year. A lot of great information there for the public and for school administrators alike. Nick, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. After being grounded due to the pandemic, Flag City Honor Flight has some catching up to do, but they can't do it without your help. There are a couple of uh, events coming up to help get honor flight off the ground as it were and uh president flight director bob weinberg is with us in the studio this morning and uh bob first of all i know we were just talking before we went on the air excited to have the opportunity to get back up and running again but things are still so incredibly fluid right now they sure are right there's a lot of things going on obviously with covid and uh and there's a lot of things happening again and things are closing and Mm -hmm. uh so yeah we're very cautious right now so as of right now today what is the schedule for the rest of this year heading into 2022 i mean how far in advance have you planned what right now if nothing changes what's the schedule well the the schedule for this year is two flights and two bus trips so we're not actually looking into 22 yet just trying to get the 21 season <laughs> get through this up year and running. Yeah. yeah and just last week honor flight did start again as far as nationally is mm-hmm. concerned so yeah a, i saw there's the, been a few flights yeah i saw on the uh, your facebook page as a matter of fact you had a, a really cool uh, shot of the uh, first uh, honor flight nationally so that is a, a good sign but again with all of the unknowns that are still out there this is still subject to change and how f- frustrating is that because i mean you know we've talked uh, about this uh, in the past i mean given the mission of honor flight the clock is ticking here very frustrating yeah <laughs> very frustrating but you have to keep your sights on the on the target and keep mm-hmm. moving forward yeah yeah 
and and that's what we're doing with our benefits. Yeah. That's the other thing that we need to keep moving You, with. Yeah, none of this happens unless you have the resources to be able to uh, charter the flights and charter the buses and get yep. the veterans uh, to Washington, D.C., because there is no cost for the veteran that's correct. in this. That's correct. So you have a couple of uh, events coming up. First one is happening this Saturday, right? This Saturday, we have the Night Jazz Band. Uh, it's at the fairgrounds. Uh, it starts at 7 o'clock Saturday night. We'll have a few hours of big band sound and, and dancing, uh, some hors d'oeuvres to eat and some refreshments to drink. Uh, but looking forward to having that again. Yeah, that's uh, been a long-standing tradition, that uh, yes. uh, night jazz uh, concert. They have been huge supporters of the effort. Yes, and the people that come are the same people a lot. We have new faces, <laughs> but they really come for that big band yeah. sound, and they're dedicated to dancing and enjoying the evening. And night jazz is a, a great group. And I, I tell you what, with the, I mean, normally they perform the Riverside Summer Concert Series. That canceled this year. This one of the few opportunities to get to see a night jazz. So, and, and I think they're real interested in getting going yeah, again, too. So <laughs> uh, it's up for a, all of the stars are aligned for a really a nice crowd. And that's at the old Millstream Center, right? That's correct. That's you correct. will have, now the admission is free. We yes. talk about this being a fundraiser admission is free obviously uh you've got uh, you're going to have a, a donation we always bucket. have the <laughs> we always have the donation jar at the door yeah. right and and we're happy to take that we'll also have some raffles we do our baskets we have uh, some and food and things and we'll have some raffle tickets and and uh we want people to have a great time that's the mission of of jazz night right. a lot of fun and hopefully they don't a few donate a few dollars to the cause and uh, kudos to all of those who have stepped up to uh, donate prizes to be raffled off and all of that yes. as well so yeah. can't yep. uh, can't do it without this tremendous community support i mean we were talking about this yesterday with some of the uh, things that are going on uh within the community and we always bring this up just wonderful people in the community support efforts like this we do we have a great support for for flight city honor flight we have you know donations with, the, with what's happened over the last year, last 18 months, we've taken a back seat to doing fundraisers. There's mm-hmm. 5013s out there that are first-line supporters. They're giving shelter and food to people that need it during these times. Right. Uh, so now that we're getting back into moving again going forward, we need to get those donations and keep yeah. that supply chain coming so, to keep uh, it going. So when does uh, everything get underway Saturday evening? A Saturday evening at the fairgrounds at 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. I think the doors open at 6. Okay. So uh, circle that on your calendar. If you can make it out, it's going to be a great evening of music and dancing and a whole lot of fun. And, of course, all for uh, Flag City Honor Flight. And then uh, a really fun event. And this is, what, uh, third or fourth year that you've done this? Yes, this will be our uh, fourth, I believe. Uh, Every, it may be third. Lost, everybody <laughs> lost track after uh, things were canceled That's last year. True. Uh, but you've got uh, donkey races at the fair opening day of the Hancock County Fair, which is Veterans Day at the uh, at the fair. That all fits, doesn't it? It does. It's almost <laughs> like it was planned that way. Uh, donkey races. Explain how this works. Um, Yes. So, <laughs> if you can, if it's I'm possible, not, <laughs> to, this is one of those things that you kind of have to see to, to uh, fully appreciate. Yeah, and and believe. So they have uh, donkeys, and oh, by the way, they have the donkeys. We're looking for the riders to get on those donkeys, <laughs> and we're also looking for sponsors to uh, sponsor those riders. And uh, there also will be some betting on which one of those riders makes it to the finish line. <laughs> a little ra- wagering going <laughs> right. on here. So they have a little circle track set up at the fairgrounds in front of the grandstands. And, okay. uh, and the green flag drops. They have a few heat races. 
and the winners of those heat races then go into the into the <laughs> final. So it's a very interesting and exciting. Uh, who? Uh... Who are the writers that you have confirmed? As you said, you're looking for more writers. Yes, they're always okay. yes, they're, <laughs> they're always looking for more writers, and I don't have a list of confirmed participants. Okay, all right. Uh, I I be, I don't think that I should mention names because I'm not sure, <laughs> and I don't want to put any pressure on anybody. But I was hoping well, that's... Chris, I was hoping Chris Oaks would get on. <laughs> oh man! Well, uh, I I'm not sure. We'll have to uh, we'll have to see. Uh, <clears throat> are you? Well, let me ask you this: When you're uh, the the wagering, you're wagering for individuals or against individuals? I think I, I think it's <laughs> for of, them. Because if I'm <laughs> because if I'm uh, on one of those, uh, then you're not going to get a whole lot of wagering on me. If if people are smart, that's for sure. Uh, so this is opening day at the uh, at the fair. It's an awful lot of fun. It is a lot of fun, and and you and you said it right earlier. It is Veterans Day also. Yeah. So Flight City Honor Flight flies veterans. We're going to have some donkey races we're hoping to fill that grandstand and uh and have all the support from the community again uh i and i know that in the past there's been some trash talking there's been some you know <laughs> jockey and no pun intended for position in this whole thing it does become uh, an awful lot of uh, fun and again not just to raise funds raise awareness for uh flag city honor flight and what it is that you do correct um, and by the way, uh, for the benefit of uh, those who may know a veteran uh, who deserves, and they all deserve, uh, an opportunity to, to go to D.C., how do they reach out and talk about the process? You also always need, with the trips that you've got planned, assuming they go off without a hitch, uh, always need uh, escorts and people to assist. Right. We're always looking for veterans yeah. of of. All those, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, we're mm-hmm. looking for guardians to help. We're looking for volunteers to help put on the events, yeah. such as jazz, jazz night and yeah. donkey races and, and all of those things. The best way to contact us is through our website, flagcityhonorflight.org, uh, and you can click on there and, and fill out applications right online for all of those different things. All right. Uh, we've got it linked up at our webpage as well. Again, Flag City Honor Flight President Flight Director Bob Weinberg with us uh, this morning. The uh, night jazz concert uh, is Saturday, and then the donkey races opening night of the uh, Hancock County Fair. We look forward to that. Bob, thanks very much for dropping by. We thanks for having me. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Not a whole lot in the uh, little uh, broken news uh, this morning. It is kind of a light day. We begin on the international file. Police and firefighters were called to Gendarmerie de la Loire in central France after getting a call about someone spotting a corpse taped up in a black garbage bag floating in the river next to some branches and reeds. Uh... Officers hauled the body to the bank of the river on Tuesday, a week ago today, uh, this story, and to their relief, discovered that it was an inflatable adult doll. (laughs) Well, that's awkward. Uh, Police posted about the find on social media, noting, quote, obviously her owner can pick her up at the police station at your earliest convenience, unquote. (laughs) 
I don't know what kind of fantasy that is all about, but, uh, you know, it's just proof that uh, weird things don't only happen in this country. However, more domestically, it's domestic broken news this morning. Some things, sometimes things go very wrong and you actually end up in a better place than you started. A California Chevrolet dealership let a customer trade in his 2021 C8 Corvette for a new 2022 model after one of the dealership's mechanics was caught driving his car 148 miles an hour in a street race earlier this month. <laughs> the uh, the car was dropped off at the dealership, the service department, to get uh, new plugs, new spark plugs. This is a routine affair, but the mechanic <laughs> had other ideas. He was caught racing the car, and the way it got caught, the way he got caught was apparently the Corvette has a performance data recorder uh, in its valet mode, which recorded the joyride on video. That particular feature is there for just this kind of incident, where you hand over the keys to a valet or a mechanic, and they can't resist the temptation to go and have a little joyride. Well, the whole thing was captured on video, and so the dealership let the customer trade in his 2021 Corvette for a brand new 2022 model. To make up for the employee's mistake, the owner of the dealership offered an upgrade at no cost, uh, even trade, including taxes. Didn't even have to pay the taxes on the new vehicle. So all's well that ends well for the uh, customer. I would think for the mechanic involved, however, uh, it was not such a happy ending. <laughs> Probably one of those folks looking for a new job. <clears throat> Go from uh, mechanic. Uh, Fixing uh, Corvettes to, would you like fries with that? Speaking of uh, strange things you see on the roads in Kentucky, of course this would happen in Kentucky, Henderson County, a racehorse startled onlookers at the Ellis Park Racing and Gaming Track on Saturday, 45 minutes into the live streaming of the race, a two-year-old racehorse, bold and bossy, this is the horse's name, uh, lived up to... uh, Lived up to his or her name. I'm not sure whether it's a mare or a stallion, but uh, anyway, bold and bossy bucked jockey Miguel Mania and ran off the track before she could even make her racing debut. The the horse found an exit to the track and was seen running down Interstate 69. (laughs) Can you imagine driving along the highway and you look over to your left and you see a racehorse in full racehorse thoroughbred regalia running alongside man driving down the highway did manage to get a video clip of the animal galloping along with traffic. The horse was found soon after by the sheriff of a neighboring county got all the way to another county and was reunited safely with her owner and rider. Fortunately, the writer did not sustain any injuries from the fall, and I'm not sure what the horse's racing future is like, but, I mean, hey, if the horse can keep up with traffic, it must be a pretty solid racehorse, you know what I mean? That's 
If they can just keep her on the track and off the highway, they'll be in good shape. And lastly, we'll uh, include this in the broken news simply because we don't have a whole lot of broken news of the traditional variety. This is kind of interesting. If you are looking to test your strength in the ancient sport of arm wrestling, there's an app for that. Yes, ArmBet launched last year is the Tinder of arm wrestling, according to one user. Uh, The New York Post got hip to Mikhail Anoshka and his popular underground arm wrestling operation that he runs in front of his family's Brighton Beach home in New York. He built the arm wrestling. He built an arm wrestling table with the help of some family members when New York City gyms closed during the pandemic. And now anyone can come by and test their strength. He has had a lot of takers uh, thanks to the app ArmBet. Uh, which now has 20,000 global users and saw an explosion of growth as the pandemic dragged on. One reason, unlike other ways to stay in shape, arm wrestling doesn't require any equipment. Uh, The uh, creator of the app and America's top-ranked arm wrestler, Devin Lorat, says it is super accessible. As long as you have an arm and a hand, you're good to go. The more than four-decade-old New York Arm Wrestling Association... And as President Jack Arias uh, tells the New York Post, the sport has become more popular than ever. And while you're not supposed to talk about Fight Club, no such edict is in place with arm wrestling. Social media is also fueling the spread. He says the world is being taught to shy away from people, that people are dangerous. Arm wrestling teaches you that together we get stronger. But uh, the story goes on to say that if you do want to try your hand... At Anoshka's arm wrestling place, uh, even in this day of social distancing, hand washing is a much uh, is a must. He says, "I usually take the soap out. We wash hands from the from the garden hose before they get into an arm wrestling bout." I don't know. I just think that's kind of interesting. I arm wrestling making a a huge comeback. I haven't arm wrestled anyone since I was in middle school, I think. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. This update in the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile apps for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play 1330 WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free. On the air at 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM online at WFIN.com and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news, and the statistics that shape our lives. This is more the latter, and uh, I I'm, was really interested in this when I saw it on the uh, Newswire because, uh, I, as I said, I'm glad that I'm not the only one uh, who falls into this category. Obviously, there has been a lot of discussion in recent years uh, about the uh, dangers to the environment of single-use plastics. And uh, so trying to minimize the number of single-use plastics that we use in this country. 
And it a new poll finds that a large number of Americans are hoarding plastic things uh, in uh, in their home. So if you do this, you are not alone. Sixty two percent of Americans surveyed would rather keep the plastic bags and other stuff on hand for possible reuse than just throw them out. The study asked two thousand adults about their plastic habits and what they would like to improve over half 55% said that they would rather keep plastic containers and other plastic wares rather than throw them away half of the respondents keep a bag stuffed with plastic bags in their house <laughs> somewhere we do that we did there are all kinds of handy uses for those uh, plastic bags um 44% say and we do this too 44% say they have a kitchen drawer with plastic cutlery, you know, that you get from fast food restaurants or you have a party and you have some of the plastic forks and stuff uh, left over. You keep that on hand. Thirty nine percent of Americans say they have a, have a cabinet full of mismatched Tupperware <laughs> or other plastic containers. And almost one in five, 18 percent, have a cabinet storing old jars and containers. The survey conducted by one poll on behalf of Core Hydration, the results also found that 55% do not want to throw out uh, plastics in their home uh, without reusing them in some way, shape, or form. So if you have some of those things on hand for reuse rather than just tossing them into the landfill, good for you. Well, we are just a week away, give or take, from the 2021 relaunch of the Hancock County Fair. And joining us is uh, President Jeff Cole. And uh, Jeff, as you were mentioning before, we went on uh, on the air a week away from move-in day. A week is- away from move-in day. Next yeah. Tuesday is when all those livestock projects move in and mm-hmm. all those exhibits in the Grange Building, you know, the, the baked goods and the flower clubs and the photography <laughs> exhibits and stuff. That how, all happens Tuesday. How excited is everybody that you've talked to f- to actually have a fair this year? I'd say probably 200% over normally, you know? Yeah. I mean, they are, it's so, it's so good to be back. Everybody's excited. And and even the kids uh, with the livestock uh, exhibit, because I know you did the judging last year and you, you know, had kind of a, some semblance of normal for the kids, but it wasn't normal because there weren't the crowds. They didn't get to see all the the people and it just was not the same. Right. They had their, they had their men in in the ring, right? right. And competed and, uh, were able to uh, see how their project was judged against others. So they did have that moment, but uh, it wasn't the same just coming for a show and right. leaving that same day. Yeah. Um, the big part of the fair for the kids is hanging out for the four or five or six days of the fair and, and all the energy that's around the rest of the fair. And it's one of those things that you don't realize, uh, you know, how much that means to you until you don't have it. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah, so yeah, right. everybody is excited uh, yeah. for the Hancock County Fair. Of course, we're going to be there and uh, we hope to see big crowds. Um, who knows? Maybe record setting crowds. I mean, you know, this is one of those sort of pent up demand right. to get out and do things. Right. So. Well, it'll at least be record setting for 20. 2021 for sure right so yeah yeah we're expecting big crowds 
we uh, hear from the other fairs that have gone before us mm-hmm. that they've had great fairs. Yeah. Uh, and, and the turnout has been really, really good. So we're expecting the same here. So let's talk about logistics because there are a couple of new things. The yes. biggest uh, change this year over previous years uh, is online ticketing. That's right. And, and it's the biggest change because it affects every fair goer. Right. right? So every fair goer will, will see that difference uh, at the gate. But what we'd really in- encourage you to do is get your tickets online uh, before arriving at the gate. You could, we've been selling tickets online since the first week of July. We have been selling tickets. I mean, honestly, we sold tickets yeah. the first week of July. Yeah. Uh, so the word is out and the ticket sales are really ramping up and as we expected it to as we got closer to the fair. But, but uh, yeah, do yourself a favor and go online and get your ticket before you get to the gate, and we should be able to scan you in and maybe not even have to slow you down a little bit. You just go right in. So. Yeah, that that's uh, one of the uh, main advantages, uh, obviously. Correct. It's a lot easier for folks. You can still get uh, season tickets uh, for the fair. Season tickets are available as well as daily entry, and then all of the tickets for the ticketed events, such as the tractor pulls and the concerts and so forth, where you pay the additional charge to get into those events. Mm-hmm. Those tickets are all available online. We're even selling wristband tickets. Those tickets can be then redeemed at the at the ride uh, booth and get your ride wristband. So you can take care of all that online and you can find that link at our website, HancockFairgrounds.org. HancockFairgrounds is one word, .org. And by the way, uh, just uh, in case folks are wondering, if you buy a single day admission ticket online, that is good for any of those days. So it would can, be good for any day. That's yeah, correct. So you don't have to know which day you're going to go you if you want to buy a single day That's admission. Clarity, Chris. You can Thank do you. that now yes. and then decide later. And right. um, speaking of the schedule, you mentioned uh, events. Uh, ride wristbands will be uh, available online, which means the rides will be there. The and rides will be there. In fact, if you go buy on Fishlock today, you'll see some of the rides have arrived uh, and they will begin uh, setting those up. I don't think they're going to start today, but they are scheduled to start erecting those tomorrow. Start to see that going up and uh, a lot of entertainment is back this year. A lot of entertainment. So a lot of your favorites, the tractor pulls, the demo derbies, uh, the horse pulls, which is always a big favorite, cask scramble, those are all back. Uh, the donkey race. And oh, by the way, I've got an out for you on that, Chris. <laughs> I heard okay. I heard Bob challenging you to get up yes. on one of these donkeys. Yes. So I'll tell you what, you can't be a jockey if you're the MC of the event. So oh. boy, there you, you got an opportunity there. You just let me know okay. on that. But, okay. But yeah, back to entertainment. And again, you can find our full schedule online if you go to HancockFairgrounds.org and mm-hmm. you click on the little arrow that says Fair Entertainment. Our whole schedule is there if you want to take a look at that. And then also uh, in this Saturday's paper, uh, The Courier, there will be an insert that will have a one-page um, view of our schedule as well, so you can take a look at that. But the big change to the entertainment lineup is that we will be having a concert on Saturday night. That's the first concert we've had in a decade, yeah. I think. Yeah. So bringing music back to the fair. Uh, we also still will have the Sunday uh, concert for um, uh, the gospel concert on Sunday. Right. But on Saturday will be the homegrown uh, concert with uh, Josh Melton, Kel- Jess Kelly Adams, and the Reunion Band. Yeah, Jess was uh, with us uh, last week on the. She's uh, great. And she's a she's a firecracker. Yeah, she that's is. gonna be a, that's gonna be a great show. So <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. one not to be missed. It Absolutely. is, um, and a couple of uh, new things at the fair. Most notably, notably the uh, youth building. If people have been out to the fairgrounds, they may have seen that. That's, wow, that's what? right. That's what? right. It's really great building and we'll be uh we'll be dedicating that uh on tuesday so a week from today at six thirty, 
And so we'll be recognizing that. We'll cut the ribbon on that building officially for its official use, or at least the dedicated use that we put it up for. Uh, and uh, we'll be uh, recognizing those donors, those so many donors. So I'm not going to mention any of them because I won't be able to cover them all. <laughs> Forget someone. Uh, but we'll be doing that at 6.30 on yeah. Tuesday, the 31st. And then we'll go into opening ceremonies over in the old Millstream Center uh, where we'll cut the ribbon on the fair, grand opening of the fair. We'll hear from some dignitaries. And uh, then we'll go into the royalty um, uh, celebration at that point, and we'll crown the, the king and queen of the fair. So uh, the Hancock County Fair is back in full swing. It all starts next Wednesday, runs through Labor Day. And as far as the logistics and so on, we mentioned the ticketing is uh, being done online. Will there be actual, can you still buy tickets at the gate? Yes, I mean, sir. Okay. Yes, sir, sir you can. So, and, and we will be taking cash at all gates. I, we okay. had uh, expressed earlier that we may limit that, but... For this year, the first year of adoption on the electronic ticketing, we're going to take cash at, okay. at all gates. So if you've got money, we'll find a way to take it from you. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah. And other than that, logistically speaking, uh, are there any uh, changes when people go to the fair? I mean, the main entrance is still Fishlock. Main, main entrance a, is still Fishlock. Okay. We call it the McCleary Gate, but yeah, off of Fishlock, and that's where the general parking is. Uh, you can still walk in uh, at Wyandotte. You can still walk in at Sandusky. Okay. Uh, so those are the three main entrants for the for John and Jane Fairgoer to get into the fair. Okay. So uh, a lot of things are just as you remember them. There are some new things uh, going to uh, experience at the fair this year. Most of all, we're just looking forward to a full fair. And and nobody looking more forward to it, I'm sure, than yourself and, and those of the uh, Ag Society. That's right. That's right. We're going to have a great celebration here to, to cap off the summer here over the weekend. So come out to the Hancock County Fair. Uh, and we will uh, make sure that you have the best time that you've had also. Absolutely. And we will be there as well. Again, uh, Fair President uh, Jeff Cole with us this morning at the preview of the 2021 Hancock County Fair. Jeff, thanks very much. Thanks, Chris. And that is our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. And you can find us at goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow, has our preoccupation with COVID-19 led to other risks and dangers going overlooked? Another example of that potential issue in the area of workplace safety. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow. Tomorrow.